And then just another part of it was like, you know, I'm like getting older. I'm like in the middle of my career. And I was like, I don't want to not have options. And there comes a point where people are going to be like, well, what else could you possibly do? You've only done this one thing. But yeah, I just felt like, hey, I like want to see if I can be successful in some other places and like other industries and be just more versatile person. Welcome to the Early Career Moves Podcast, the show that highlights remarkable BIPOC young professionals killing it on their career journeys. I'm your host, Priscilla Esquivel-Bolcha, Latinx career coach, corporate consultant, daughter of immigrants, and lover of breakfast tacos. Meet me for a coffee chat every Friday as we either dive into a special guest story or I'll share my own career gems. If you're a BIPOC professional feeling lost in your career or just need a dose of inspiration, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Early Career Moves podcast, episode 55. So today I have a really special guest. I know I say that every week, but truly, truly, this is a very special guest because Bonnie Dilber is on the show. And Bonnie is my former boss. She was my boss at Idea Public Schools when we both worked in the talent acquisition world at a charter school district. And she also is sort of a low-key, high-key LinkedIn influencer now. And it's partly has to do with the fact that she is now a recruiter at a tech startup called Zapier. You might have heard of Zapier before. They've done really well. And Bonnie talks a lot on LinkedIn about what an incredible experience she has had at the company. And it's not BS. Like Bonnie is not someone who would just like say random things. Like I trust everything that she says. She's also openly critical of things and she's someone who challenges people's thinking. So if you want to connect with Bonnie, I recommend doing so on LinkedIn. She's very open to connecting with anyone. And on this episode, in this interview, she shares what it was like to make this career transition after 16 years of working in education. Y'all, 16 years, that's a long time to be in an industry and to be like, you know what, I'm gonna try something different. And so it's just such a great example of like, don't be afraid to start over. Don't limit yourself and self-impose limits on what you can and can't do. And Bonnie shows that in her story, just that willingness to start over and keep learning and keep growing. And wow, it really does pay off. Okay, so... I don't really have anything else to say. I don't want to spoil anything, but there's so much to learn from Bonnie's story. If you're looking to transition into tech, if you're in a job search process, she really walks us through that journey. So I hope you enjoy. All right. Talk to y'all later. Hey, before we head into today's episode, I want to encourage you to follow us on Instagram at ECM Podcast. Also head over to ecmpodcast.com where you can get freebies, read the latest ECM blog post, and sign up for our monthly newsletter. And if you or someone you know is looking for one-on-one career coaching, you can sign up to work with me on my website. Lastly, if you're a big fan and supporter of the show, please make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's how we can reach other people. Okay, let's head into the show. Welcome, Bonnie. Yay. Hey, I'm excited to be on. Awesome. So for everyone who's listening, Bonnie used to be my manager back in the day, back when we worked in the education nonprofit world. And Bonnie was one of the most fun bosses I ever had. She was chasing... (laughs) 
Pokemon Go all around Austin <laughs> <laughs> and bragging about her pursuits. But yeah. And oh, yeah. You also got me into improv. It was because of oh, you yeah. that I took my first improv class um, <laughs> back in the that. day. So yeah, lots of good times that we shared together, Bonnie. <laughs> Love it. But now you're in Seattle, um, Washington, and you've made a huge career transition. So that's part of why I wanted to have you on the show was for you to share a little bit about your story. I never would have guessed, I think, that you would have made the transition that you made. And I'm sure it was a thoughtful one that you probably spent some time thinking about. So before we go into that, why don't you just quick introduce who you are, what do you do today, so that our audience can get a sense of who you are. Sure. Who am I? Well, I'm a mom, first and foremost, which was not something I expected I would ever say, but uh, I am to a 17-month-old and also to a dog, which I did always expect to be a dog mom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And currently work, I think I always knew like I would work with people and in in talent spaces and currently work in recruiting for uh, mid-sized not quite startup, but a startup tech company called Zapier, which I absolutely love. But yeah, along the way, I started my career like like you, of course, in in the classroom. And that was the pretty much the only job I applied for was Teach for America and just felt really it wasn't necessarily about the teaching. It was about the mission, about doing something that felt really important. And for me, educational equity felt like the most important thing we could do. And so most of my career was devoted to that and spent first in the people development, talent development space, working with teachers and then at Teach for America and then moving into talent acquisition at IDEA where you and I work together, of course, and then with Teach for America as well. And along the way, I've done some consulting work with a lot of nonprofits and uh, school districts as well. And always thought I would be in that space because it always felt like my work was my identity and a So I needed it to be something that felt really personal and meaningful. And like my work was making the world better in ways that I thought the world needed to change. And so that always felt like the most important thing. And then I think over the last couple of years, that evolved for me. And I started realizing I didn't necessarily want my work to be my entire identity. And that that I was had almost like pigeonholed myself and saw limited sort of pathways for myself. And so I decided about six, seven months ago, I said, okay, I want to like really intentionally chart a path out of education for the first time. And so ended up making the move to tech in November and yeah, love it. <laughs> that's amazing. So how many years were you in education as an industry before making this move? If I can count college, <laughs> like 20 years, <laughs> something like that. I have to do the math, but yeah. Yeah, I guess I had like 16 years. Wow. Okay. Yeah, from the classroom on. Yeah. So I think that's just like a good example. Like I talk to people sometimes who are like, well, I've been in this industry for forever. I can't leave. Or maybe another industry won't accept me. And so I think you're an example of someone who was able to make that shift. How did you end up deciding that tech would be the industry that you would like pivot into? Yeah. You know, I looked at a couple of different things. I actually talked to like a consulting firm about their like talent department, uh, a couple of more corporate spaces. What really popped for me and made it clear like tech was the right path was actually just sort of the people and the conversations I was having around like what kind of challenges they were, they were solving. And 
I like things to be fast paced and messy. And a lot of the more corporate spaces I was in felt that they were going to be like fairly bureaucratic and like there was sort of a playbook and they were executing a playbook. And I was looking for more places where there was room for innovation. And so I think for me, part of that was sort of like a culture fit where I felt like I might fit in and have the opportunity to use some of what I've learned and also learn some new things or learn new tools and be more sort of like at the bleeding edge, I guess. So I felt like tech would be a good, just like industry fit for me. And then even within that, I looked at everything from, you know, companies with 60,000 plus people down to like really startup these spaces and felt like, you know, that sort of mid-size, like 500 to 1,000 felt like a really good space. So I started honing in there. And so I really try to be thoughtful about like learning and talking to people in different spaces and educating myself about the industry so that I could could figure out like what the right home would be where I would be set up for success. Do you think the pandemic sort of played a role in you reevaluating the role that you wanted work to play in your life? Yeah. You know, it's funny because back when we worked together, I was like traveling all the time. I went out of the country for fun. Like I would do weekend trips, like I date people in other cities. I just didn't even think any like location didn't matter. I was probably away from home more than I was like at home. And I like loved that life. And then the pandemic hit. And at first I was almost going through withdrawal. I remember I think two weeks in, I was like, this is the longest I've been at home in over five years to be home for two weeks. And, and then sort of started like settling in and finding like projects and sort of enjoying having time at home. And then again, like ending up during the pandemic, having a baby amidst all of that, like definitely contributed as well. Actually, as people were starting to travel at my last job, that was sort of the thing that pushed me to be like, you have to start applying. I was dreading it. It was like giving me anxiety to think, oh, I'm going to have weeks where, you know, I only see my kid for three days or something. And I didn't want that. And so, yeah. So I think like my priorities shifted for sure. Yeah. How did you approach like A, figuring out what companies you might be interested in and then the networking piece? Because I know your network is heavy education folks, right? Yeah. So how did you do that piece? Yeah. So in terms of like the companies, I actually feel like those two things came hand in hand. So I'll talk about both. Like I started reaching out to people I knew that had made that move and asking them like about their experiences and recommendations. And then at times it might come up like often they themselves would say, hey, like happy to refer you for a role or something like that. So sometimes those sorts of things happened. One of the roles I was interviewing for, my my sister like referred me for, you know, so definitely because she knew that I was exploring, but there were lots of kind of people in my network, sometimes even people I didn't know very well, people I'd never met in person and just sort of had like connected with socially, like on social media, things like that were offering So I think part of it was like reaching out to people and just saying, hey, this is a move I'm exploring. What was your experience? Like, what should I be aware of as I consider this? And then through that, it might evolve into something or it might just be a great conversation. But I did feel like just putting those like feelers out and like LinkedIn has some really awesome search features that you can use where you can look for like people who have shared backgrounds. So for me, a lot of it was who are people from Teach for America who are at some of these other companies or even scrolling through and starting to look like where are people? Are there clusters? of people in certain places, or maybe that's a place that's open to folks with my background, that sort of thing. So those things came hand in hand and trying to reach out to people was never super aggressive. I never reached out to someone that said, hey, I need you to refer me for X job or anything like that. But I would usually try to share like, hey, I saw this. Do you have any insight? Do you maybe know who might be like the recruiter or the right contact? Or is there anyone like you could introduce me to? Do you have any advice or, you know, Mm -hmm. those sorts of things? And folks were usually 
pretty, I mean, some people that never respond, but I think when you use your network where you're connected with them, you're more likely to get a response. So that was how I started. Yeah. Like using your warm contacts or connections, right? Like a second degree or a third degree. I feel like those second degree, third degree connections on LinkedIn are so valuable. Like I'm way more likely to respond to someone if I see that we have people in common, you know, like I'm like, okay, let me hear you out. So that's great advice. And I also often would like connect with someone and then like some stuff that they were saying or comment on their posts or try to engage with them. And then you can contact them a little more easily where it's like, hey, I know this person, you know, or they feel like they know you a little bit more. That's a Um, really good point. Yeah. Cool. And so then as you were deciding which role to target, so you knew tech, you knew like even the size of the tech company that you were thinking of as you were trying to decide like, okay, what are my transferable skills, my marketable skills? You knew you were going to be in a people-related role. How did you end up landing on the role that you were targeting? Yeah. So it's interesting, and probably not everyone would want to make this shift, but I – so pretty much my whole career was in management, and I've never really had experiences in individual contributor roles, even though I actually really like that space. But like, (laughs) I had never been a recruiter before when I when I was your manager, which we started like within a week of each other, I remember. And I had like never worked in recruiting before. So I was learning that space. I didn't even know that really. I mean, I guess yeah, I hadn't thought about that. It's true. Yeah, I had never worked in recruiting before. (laughs) (laughs) That was new for me. And I had felt like when I moved to Teach for America, I'd felt like my learning curve was a lot steeper, just having not grown up on the recruitment team because everyone else had like Mm. been there forever. And so I always felt like an outsider and always felt like, gosh, I don't know these systems. I feel like I'm trying to teach people how to do stuff I've never done or used. And I just, again, was like, I want balance in my life. And if I'm trying to do all of that, then I am probably going to be like overwhelmed with my job for the first year. And so I actually decided to like look for IC individual contributor roles and where I could like be a recruiter. I knew I'd be really good at it. And then I could like hopefully learn and, you know, move back up if that made sense. And that was also part of the impetus for tech is recruiters in tech, like make more than I did managing, like, managing large teams. So that kind of worked out well. And then it also helped that I really liked Zapier as a company and was trying to see like, where might I fit? And that was the role they had open. It just so happened that my manager left after six weeks. So I'm managing the team now, but that wasn't really my plan. And I feel like I'm happy in either seat. Yeah. Were you apprehensive about taking an IC role or were you like, no, this just makes the most sense strategically? Other people were like apprehensive on my behalf. Like I had people say, hey, like your resume is going to look really bad if you do that. Um, I wasn't worried about it. One thing I did was I looked at like other people's career paths and I started realizing a couple of things that happen in tech. One, like people switch jobs all the time. And I grew up in this environment of like, it's a flag if they've left their job in less than two years. Remember, we'd be like, oh, they're a job hopper. They were at this job for a year and a half. Like that, you know, now, I mean, I had people contacting me about jobs that they're like, when I'd been here for two months, people are already contacting me (laughs) to talk about new roles. So I realized like in this industry, I think there is more of that understanding of like people need to take care of themselves and switching jobs as long as it, you know, makes sense and isn't because you're failing everywhere you go. And people are also, I think, more empathetic that you might have a bad run somewhere and it might make sense to go somewhere else and start again. And like, that's okay too. Whereas I feel like in education, it often felt like it was if you haven't had this perfect trajectory, then that's, you're not a good candidate. Whereas I feel like here, there is just a little bit more of like people move, they might 
moving yeah. in a management role. Yeah. The two hires, two new hires I made on my team here, both have been managers and they've been individual contributors and they're both now individual contributors. Like there's not really a... yeah. No. And like manager like, isn't necessarily more desirable than being an IC. I've met so yeah. many people that are like, I've managed people. It's a lot. It's not a fit for me. I just want to do my job. And, uh, you know. Yeah. Like it just, and I think the other thing again with tech is like, and probably other places, but at least in recruiting is that there's, I don't think managers should be valued above like individual contributors. And here compensation is such that you don't have to be in a management role to make more money. There's awesome. similar pathways for individual contributors. So yeah. And I I think that's more common in tech than it is in other places where that management path is like the only path to more, you know, greater compensation. Right. That's just not true in this industry. So you can mm-hmm. actually focus on either becoming a master of your craft or of like taking a management pathway. And both of those are ways yeah. towards like greater compensation. Yeah. So one thing I see a lot is a lot of folks that are pivoting from nonprofit or education, social impact spaces have a hard time with the idea of transitioning into maybe a more corporate setting. Was that challenging for you? Or what got you to a point where you were like, my work doesn't have to necessarily be tied to all of the values that I have kind of thing? Yeah, I think there were like a couple of things. And one of them was that it was sort of realizing like, is it actually that important to me that my work be like the most, the most important thing about me? And I don't think it does. I think it's actually like pretty arrogant that we think like, (laughs) you know, this like won't survive without me or something. That's not true. Part of it was I felt like when something that was less mission driven, that I could have more boundaries. I do have like, you know, typical workaholic tendencies and felt like maybe I could be in a space where I could separate myself more. And so I think that was important, just feeling like I could have that kind of flexibility. I think when we were at idea, I think we'd probably both say this where it was almost like if you said you wanted work-life balance or, you know, that even like compensation and benefits mattered, it was like, okay, you don't care about the work was sort of the, the message behind that. And there's like a whole world of industries out there with that's not like the mindset. And so for me, I was like looking to be in that kind of a space. And then just another part of it was like, you know, I'm like getting older. I'm like in the middle of my career. And I was like, I don't, don't want to not have options. And there comes a point where people are going to be like, well, wh- what else could you possibly do? You've only done this one thing. And I started doing consulting work like five, six years ago for that reason, because I wanted to have some other stuff on my resume. But yeah, I just felt like, hey, I like want to see if I can be successful in some other places and like other industries and be just more versatile person. I want to feel like I can learn some new things. So I think it was all those things. Yeah. I mean, I'm right there with you on a lot of those points. I almost feel like there's a little bit of PTSD transitioning Mm -hmm. out of nonprofit (laughs) because it's like, yeah, like I felt Oftentimes I felt guilt, right? It was like, if you can't pull this off, which our goals were huge. Like we were tracking towards massive goals all the time and with not a lot of resources, right? So it was always this pressure of these huge goals and what it means for kids and like families and all these things. Like there was so much emotional weight on it. And then when you weren't successful, it just I think there was a strong bias towards like internalizing that and like blaming yourself kind of thing. And so that's something that I've had to unlearn and and still unlearning is like, it's not always just me, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I do agree. I think it was always like, if things are falling short, 
and you give any sort of contextual reason for it, then like you're not, you know, working within your locus of control and you're not doing <laughs> enough. Like, well, what could you have done to fix it? And I think the rest of the world operates or not the rest, I don't want to say that, but I do think that there are a lot of places that do like also recognize, you know, context or yeah, just like, hey, yeah, you did like mess that up and that's okay. It doesn't mean you're a bad person or a failure. Okay. And, you know, I, I don't think that was always... That was harder to do when the work felt so important. Yeah, totally. It felt like family and communities if you didn't deliver. So thinking about your job search process, actually interviewing, you know, going through that whole process, how long did that take? Was it like six months? Was it a few months? Was it it much faster or slower than you thought? What did you learn from that? Yeah. One thing I'll say is I'm like 100% of the time open for work. I'm open right now. I love my job. I'm really happy. (laughs) Like I would 100% apply for another job if like the right thing came along. And I think that I've always said that to people I work with, you should be interviewed for other things. You should see what your value is or what you might be able to do or confirm that you're like in the right place. And so I just say that to say, I feel like I, in some ways, you know, had definitely like looked at other jobs along the way. But when I made the decision that I really wanted to leave, which was last, last summer, and I was starting to sort of do research, I guess I started that around like June or July. And then I really buckled down and started submitting a lot of applications around September. And then I got this offer in October and knew I actually had two offers that came in like back to back that week, but I'd already decided a while ago that like this Mm -hmm. is what I wanted. So that wasn't like too tough when we got there. I do think that process was like probably quicker than for some people. One thing I'll share is I didn't totally find Zapier on my own. I was familiar with it as a company and then someone who I'd probably never met in person but who I was like connected with on LinkedIn because I connect with anyone and everyone just, you know, randomly click connect basically. Um, (laughs) So he became the new people officer here. And so he was like in my network. So I saw that pop up and I was like, oh, let me like check that company out. That looks like the size is right. And the field is right. Let me go see what else they're about. And like, um, popped in and they had a recruiter role open. So I submitted the application that night. I did shoot him a LinkedIn message just being like, hey, not sure if you remember me, but I kind of think we worked together at some point. I'd figured out where we probably overlapped in our resumes. And, you know, do you have any like- You found commonality basically, right? Yeah, I looked and I saw, okay, this is how I know this guy, like how I might know him or where we probably crossed paths. So I was like, hey, I think we probably crossed paths at this point. Congratulations on your new role, your post like, piqued my interest. So I was curious if you have any advice or for me as someone who might be switching, you know, moving from Teach for America to this company. And so he like wrote back and I did that for every job like I that I applied Mm -hmm. for. I would like try to figure out who might I know there that I can also connect with because that might be the thing that gets them to go contact the recruiter and be like, hey, talk to this person or something like that. Were you strategic about doing that before you submitted an application? Do you think that's important to do or not necessarily? I personally submitted my application and then contacted him to let him know that I had done that. If you know someone, then I think you can contact them. I have other apps where I contacted people. and was like, hey, do you guys have a referral program? I was thinking about mm-hmm. this and I always try to pitch it as like, you know, if you're going to get paid for it, I just wanted to make sure you would like benefit. So I was saying like, <laughs> let me help you out. But in this case, like I didn't know this person well enough to say like, hey, can you help me? And I think it has a lot more teeth to it when you say I've applied and I would love like any advice you have yep. versus like, 
I'm asking you to take time out of your time day to like tell me about, you know, it may have no benefit to you. Yeah, like it shows the commitment and you're really in yeah, it. Like I've done my research. I respond to everyone that contacts me, but it's a lot briefer and less helpful when it's like, hey, I want to talk to you about opportunities and reads like a spam message. Yeah. I just need to leave our jobs page and move on. Yeah. So what about the actual interview prep? Obviously, you've had a lot of, I would say, subject matter expertise when it comes to the function, but it was still an industry change. So how did you have to do a lot of research and like prep to like tell that story? Yeah, I mostly wanted I felt like I had this sort of battle of both the industry thing and of people being like, wait, why would you like want to be a recruiter when you've been doing all of these other things, which every single like interview I had that came up where people were like, this doesn't make sense to us. But I had a really clear reason. And I explained that like, this is, you know, a big change. And I'm someone who I want to like actually learn, I want to set myself up for success. I know like what I don't know. And so I want to like come in and have the chance to learn sort of like on the ground and prove myself. And then if I want to move into management, I have no doubt that the opportunity will be available for me, but I would like this opportunity to come in and focus on my own learning first. That seemed to resonate like anywhere that I had that first interview, I ended up like getting more. So I feel like that was a story that was one true to me, which is most important and two like did resonate mm-hmm. or was available. Yeah. And it's good to anticipate what those questions are because I think everyone has gaps. Like there's no perfect candidate. Most people have to address some kind of skill gap, whatever it is. And so it seems like you were pretty aware of like the questions or like the little like yellow flags that would raise for them. Well, and also I had literally never been a recruiter. I'd never been like really solely (laughs) responsible for filling roles, but I wanted to be a senior recruiter, which theoretically should be like a pretty, you know, seasoned recruiter. So that was another thing too, that I had to be really thoughtful about how I talked about my experiences to show that like, while I've never actually been formally like an individual contributor recruiter, here is like why I'm really confident I can do that, you know? So. And you called it out, right? Like you didn't not mention it. You were really um, intentional about, I don't have this experience. However, I know yeah. I'm confident that I could do this role. Yeah. And here are like the experiences I do have. Okay. So now let's get to the final, like you had your two offers. How were you deciding? What made you decide in the end? What were you thinking through? Yeah. I mean, a big thing for me was like the people and I just had like, the people here, it felt like the a place where I would like fit in, so to speak. Some of the things that kind of stood out were one, it was just everything was really transparent and honest. There was never sort of any like question about like where I stood in the process. When I asked a question about compensation in an interview, they like popped up, like screen shared and were like, oh, here's like how we approach compensation and raises and bonuses and literally just showed me all the documentation they have internally that they share with people versus like so many places where it's like, well, we have, you know, this is like generic process and things like that. It was like, no, let me just like show you what all of our internal employees already have. And so there were just things like that, that for me signaled like, okay, the values will just like align or the way that they approach things will align. And so I think that really helped. One thing that actually really stood out was people who would be my peers, like did a lot of the interviews. So I felt like I was like meeting the Mm -hmm. team I would work with and that those like voices were valued. And that personally for me is like important because I like to have not flat, like totally flat structure, but I think it it indicates like sort of the, that everyone like contributes and it's not just like 
managers making decisions. Or so that really stood out to me. And yeah, I mean, the compensation and benefits like that matters. And I think we came mm-hmm. from you and I both like come from a world where it was almost like taboo to talk about that or to put value on that. But that like really matters. And so <laughs> that certainly was like, you know, a consideration as well. But it wasn't like the top one. There were other processes I was in that I like withdrew from that probably would have resulted in higher comp. But like that wasn't the whole package that I was looking for. So did you have to get over like some mindset stuff before? Did you negotiate? Actually, I should have asked that first. Like, did you negotiate? And like, was that kind of challenging to do that? Or were you pretty much? Yeah, it's interesting. They the offer that I got was like higher than the original range that we had discussed. I never ever give a number. I don't think anyone I don't ask candidates what they want. I just say here's the range for the role. How does that sound with you? So anyway, if if you are one of the people that's going in telling people like, don't tell people how much you make. I just feel like it never really serves you. So Mm -hmm. let them give you the number. So the number I ultimately got did end up being higher because they were able to like do some things with their ranges. I had let them know along the way, hey, like that's lower than where I want to be, but like I'll consider the total package. I did try to negotiate a little bit and didn't was not actually successful on the base pay because my manager was like, hey, we really like she explained to me how they like arrived at that number. And it actually then seemed like very fair and equitable. And I was like, okay, that sounds right. So I, you know, just should always try to ask for more. Yeah. And I know you're super happy. So congrats. That's awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Cause that's like a big change. And I'm sure on the other side, maybe you feel relief and maybe just like happy that you like made yourself go through this process. You don't regret right? Like going through this whole change? No, I literally never have for a single second been like, oh, did I do the right thing? It was absolutely like the right shift for me. And just awesome company. I think the other thing I didn't really share this initially I should have is I was like looking for a tech company that I felt like had values. And I feel like Zapier does. Mm -hmm. I don't love that the whole thing in tech where all these companies are walking around not being profitable and having these like high stock values, but they still don't make any money. I don't understand it. And Zapier has been profitable since like, you know, the first couple of years it has been totally bootstrapped by the founders, one round of investment in their first year, like a million dollars. And that was it. And, you know, like that's really rare in the tech space. And that was like one of the things that actually attracted me was I was like, there's like real values, like an appreciation of people's money. It's a product that serves small businesses and tries to like help them be more efficient. So they don't have to spend so much money on other things. Like I just, there were things like that felt like, okay, I'm like helping the right people as a part of this company. And so that I really liked as well. Yeah. So So my last question for you is what is like maybe your one or two top tips, especially as now someone who is a recruiter is in the inside in tech, like maybe top one or two tips for someone who is trying to transition into tech? I mean, I think one is to really have a clear kind of story of how your experiences align. I think I talk to people all the time who almost say like, well, I don't really see the difference. And it's like, if you are not able to see the difference between like marketing at kind of a SaaS company, a tech company versus, you know, like a real estate business, if you yourself cannot define what that is and what you need to learn, and you're just like, it's the same thing because the title is the same, then like you are totally not qualified for that job. I don't need to know anything else. So, um, <laughs> right. Like you need to actually un- try to understand like, where am I now and what might be different in this new industry? And what are some experiences that I can gain? Or like, what are the things I would do to overcome those challenges? And I think too many people assume the work is the same everywhere. And then that kind of you know, that like hurts them. So I think really try to understand like 
the industry that don't just chase after it because it seems like you might make more money or something, but like actually try to yeah. understand the industry, the problems you might be solving, how those how and be able to talk about how like those are similar or different from like what you've done in other spaces. I just think you have to like be knowledgeable. So I would advise people to like actually take the time to do that research and paint that picture. See if you can do a side hustle or a consulting project that can also help you sort of beef up some of those experiences. And then I mean, I think like a lot of networking, like I, I think you need to, I don't personally like the thing where people make their header and LinkedIn the job that they wish they had. Because <laughs> um, then it feels like a bait and switch when I click and realize that's like not what you do. That's fair. Things like that. I like it when people say aspiring and it's clear like this is what I'm looking for. But anyway, I think like be clear about that, but reach out to people, know that you're going to like get a lot of no's, but try to like do that networking and commenting and like engaging with people so that you can build a network of people that you're learning from. But the other thing I would say is like be realistic because you're probably not going to go from a, a classroom teacher to a marketing manager. Like that's mm-hmm. just not a move that's going to mm-hmm. happen. You can tell us all day how you've been like marketing a lot of things to your kids and families. And it is true. I know I did it, but like, it's just not the same. But like, think about, okay, what might my pathway be from where I am to where I want to be? Maybe if you're in education, look at ed tech. Like that's a place where if you work for a travel agency, look at like travel technology, go to Expedia, go to places where some of your previous experiences will feel more connected. And then from there, you can go into whatever, you know, other, you can go to Google. Yeah. It's almost like crafting that path where right? Like it may not be direct. You might have some stops, but like, that's okay. Yeah. So I think sometimes people are trying to make like a really big leap and might miss an opportunity to look for things where your experiences are really uniquely valued. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Bonnie, I have appreciated all of the gems. Thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah. Thanks for hanging out, for letting me hang out. Hey, are you thinking about changing careers? Then you need to head over to my website, ecmpodcast.com and sign up to get your free 20-page guide that I wrote with you in mind. I wrote this guide to help you change careers and get really clear on what it is that you want to do next. Career clarity is key to a career transition journey. All right, can't wait to hear what you think about it. Have a great week.